Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. Heavenly Father, so many of us connect with that line that I I don't deserve it, I couldn't earn it. Maybe there's even somebody that's here today thinking I'm, I'm actually here so that I can earn his love. And that is such great news to think that we that we can't earn your love, that we don't deserve your love. Because if we didn't earn it, it means we can't lose it, that you give it to us freely. So we just tell you thank you for that. Uh, That that love is life-changing. So I just pray that today that you would continue to do whatever it is that you need to do to open up our hearts so that we can receive that love. There's so many places in the world to try to find what it is that we think we need and what we ultimately need is your love. So I pray that today that we would receive that as a gift, that we would just say thank you, that we wouldn't feel the need to earn it, even though we don't deserve it, that we would receive your love. And as we do that, I pray that it would help us to love others It would affect the way we live, the way we treat others, the way we see others, that it would change everything about us for your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to go ahead and have a seat. Um, Hey, thanks again for being here today. Um, For those of you that are in the room, we're so grateful that you're here. Those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you're here with us too. Um, today is a little bit of a different day, as I mentioned at the very beginning. Today's a little bit like a, it's like a family meeting. Did you have family meetings in your house growing up? Uh, sometimes those were uh, difficult and challenging, and sometimes they, didn't, they, they were fun. I don't know. They don't have to be that way. I like to spontaneously call family meetings in our family just about nothing, just to keep our kids on their toes, you know? Let them know. You never know what's coming. You always got to be ready for it. Um, I'm, uh, I- I'm really grateful today to be able to share a little bit of some personal uh, stuff that's going on with my wife and I. We are uh, wrestling through some career stuff, and I want to tell you a little bit about that. Um, Andy's here today, which I really appreciate and I'm grateful for. Andy makes this joke all the time that whenever he shows up at the hospital, you know it's bad, uh, <laughs> which I think is very funny. Um, but he's not... <laughs> It's a good joke. Andy's got quite a sense of humor. Um, but it, um, he's, he's here today. He's going to share a little bit at the end just about um, uh, l- just to be able to speak personally to our church. So a lot of, uh, a lot of good things happening, a lot of things to look forward to. But um, for, for, for my wife and I, as I mentioned, I've been, uh, you know, have you ever had those seasons of professional wrestling, you know, where you're just restlessness, you're trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to be doing? And where am I headed? All that stuff. I, I've been uh, thinking through that for the last 
uh, really about the last three years. Um, I started attending our church in Alpharetta in 1998. Uh, I was a freshman. I was a freshman in college at Georgia Tech, and I was um, I was taking engineering classes. I say that I, intentionally. I was not studying engineering as much, and part of the problem was I had gotten so into problem. I say it's a problem. It was a great thing, but I had gotten so involved with our church. Um, I just jumped all in. I was driving from downtown Atlanta up to Alpharetta to our church there called North Point, and. I was doing everything. I mean, I was a high school small group leader. I was telling the Bible story in Upstreet. I was even an actor in this sitcom that we had in, in, for college students. Uh, it, I, I was just, I was all in. I was in on everything. I loved it. It's where I feel like God really showed me that I wanted to do ministry with my life. And so when I finished school uh, at Georgia Tech, I moved to Dallas, Texas to go to seminary and um, met my wife there, which was the best thing that I studied while I was there. Um, hey, um, <laughs> she's going to make so much fun of me for that later on. Um, but we, she went to Texas A&M and she was real involved with her church in college. And she went to seminary because she wanted to work for a church and work in ministry. And this is what we just both wanted to do and have always wanted to do that. And have been, honestly, uh, it's been the greatest 20 years for me, uh, a little over 20 years now, but of just being a part of our churches. Even in 2003, when Buckhead Church was just beginning, I started attending church here. Um, it was just such a great season. It was where God really showed me, hey, this is what I'm doing with my life. And I remember when I went to seminary, I, I remember talking to people that would do like you would do at any graduate school, you know, any school really, where you, you, you get close to being done and then you put your resume together and you send it out to different churches. And I remember hearing this and I just, that stunned me because I'm like, this is not business school. Like, this is a little bit different than that. Like, are you really going to go work at a church that you might not even like? Like, that seems terrible. And all over the world, people work at churches that they don't really like. It actually happens all the time. And I just thought, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. I'm not just going to send my resume out and go try to work at some church just because I'm supposed to be in ministry. No, I'm here because I want to go back and work at this church that has had such a profound impact on me. And I, I was up for doing anything. Anything that needed to be done, I was wide open to help because I just wanted to, to help out. I was so in love with what we were doing. Honestly, Andy's teaching may, had such a profound impact on me. Um, I remember when I was probably 21, 22, toward the end of college. I took a couple laps around uh, college, but uh, five and a half years. Um, and I, I remember praying, God, I have so much respect for him. Whatever I could do to, be, to work for him or to, to be able to be in an environment where I could experience more of his influence, I was all over that because of just the way he and Sandra have chosen to raise their kids and because of how much I respected him professionally, and that's just been so true. I've just, I can't even begin to talk about how much I've learned from Andy. So about three years ago, about a year before uh, we moved here to Buckhead Church, I was really wrestling through, what am I supposed to do? I've been a campus pastor now for 10 years, so I spent four years in coming, and then four years in Alpharetta, and then the last two years here. So I've been doing this same job for a while, and I was just looking for more and different leadership opportunities. I see some of you nodding along because I would imagine you can relate. This is very common to anyone's career trajectory or career path. So about six months ago, probably, it was, um, it, was, it was still there and I was still thinking through it. And so my wife has just been such an amazing supporter through this, this whole journey for me. 
Um, I just have realized that she believes in me more than I even believe in myself at times, which is, uh, man, for those of you that are looking for a spouse, find someone like that. Um, and she's just been tremendous in this regard. So I uh, decided about six months ago I was going to loop uh, Andy and then my direct boss, Lane Jones. I was going to loop them both into the conversation, which ended up being a great decision. They were just so helpful. They were so encouraging. They were challenging in some great and helpful ways. And then just very honest and very clear. It was so helpful. And through all of that series of conversations, uh, about a month ago, I made this decision to resign, which felt scary, particularly because my dad had told me, and uh, my dad is an amazing, amazing person, but he had told me, like most dads would have told their kids, now, son, listen, you know you don't quit a job before you have a job, you know? And I'm like, got it. Well, that's exactly what I did. So I, <laughs> I resigned without even knowing what was on the other side. And part of that is because I haven't been looking around. I've been focused on what we're doing. I believe so deeply, not just in the church, but I believe so deeply in this church. I believe Buckhead Church is the greatest church in the world. And I, that's not just flattery. That's not just something I'm supposed to say. I genuinely believe that. I think we are so perfectly located in this uh, incredible city to be a beacon of light, to really be able to bring change in some of the most complex issues that our nation, our world is facing. I just think the people in our church are just remarkable. If you're here today and you're trying to check this out and wonder, like, could, could this be my place? I'm telling you, I would not go to church anywhere else than this church. It's just an amazing group of people. So I made the decision. I told uh, Andy and I told my boss Lane about it and of course told them, hey, I don't exactly know what's next, which, you know, I, I, I don't that I don't exactly know. I have some thoughts. I have some ideas. I've done a pretty good bit of corporate speaking over the past couple of years because of some leadership books I've written. I, I hope to continue to preach quite a bit at some of our other churches, but I don't know exactly what's next for me. I just felt like I needed some space to figure out uh, where God was leading us. And I, I use that term very carefully because that's a very dangerous term. Um, that's a really important term to be able to use. And so as best as we can tell, this is what God is leading us. I probably feel like 80% confident. My wife feels 100% confident, which makes me feel 100% confident. It's amazing how the voice of God in my life sounds a lot like my wife's voice oftentimes. <laughs> Um, which I think is a healthy way that God works. But I wanted to, I wanted to tell you today, um, for one, I just wanted to tell you because I, it's appropriate and the time's right to tell you. Uh, next week, they're, they're gonna allow me to go have this same conversation with North Point Community Church, which is wonderful because we've still got loads of relationships there because of the previous season that we were there. And then the week after that, I'm gonna be attending Buckhead Church just as a, uh, dropping my kids off in Upstreet and Wombaland and Transit and um, getting to be just a, a part of this church just in a different role. And we're excited about that, but we're also nervous about that. And there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and concern and a lot of hope and optimism. But so many of you have made decisions like this, where you feel led by faith, even though you don't know what's on the other side. When I was telling our kids about this, uh, we were uh, in, in our van a couple weekends ago, and my wife felt like it was the right time because everybody's facing forward. You know, when you're a kid, making eye contact with an adult is intense, you know? Eye contact in general is intense, but I thought that was a great move. She said, let's just do it when everybody's facing forward, then if they feel anything, well, most of them felt nothing, you know? Um, <laughs> 
they looked up from whatever it was they were doing and they were like, are we changing schools? No. Are we moving? No. So just the time when we don't see you, you're going to do something different? Yes, that's right. Okay, cool. Let us know if you need anything else. You know, it's like right back to what they were doing. But our one child, just one, one out of the five that is the most lovable one, the one that I feel most confident in, the one, the rest of them, the jury's still out. But in this particular one, I'm like, no, there's no doubt she's going places. She was, started crying, was really feeling it, which I so appreciated. And my wife and I start crying and um, I say to her, I'm like, hey, can you express what you're feeling? What, tell me about your emotions. And she said, well, I just don't understand it because you love your job. And I thought that is exactly right. That's what makes this thing so peculiar is I'm not running from anything. I love what I do. And then she kept she was still crying four or five minutes later, which was way too long for me. I like about 60 seconds and then let's move on. Um, but I said, hey, tell me more. What, what are you feeling? And she said, well, it just sounds like you don't know what you're going to do. And now you don't have a job. And I was like, also true, which is, which is very alarming. Um, so we tried to reassure her and tried to, you know, hey, God's going to take care of us and you're not going to have to worry. And some of you experienced this as a kid or maybe you have as an adult. And I started recounting to her some of the stuff that God's been teaching me uh, as I've been just spending more time with him, feeling more dependent on his guidance in my life over the past several months. Um, I try to spend time with God all day long. That's the, one of the beauties of God's being everywhere at all times. But primarily in the morning is when I really um, feel most able to, most consistent time, uninterrupted time with him. And so I'll usually I'll be reading something out of the Bible and uh, usually on a reading plan with some people in our small group or some friends. And I've been going through Psalms and I'd gotten to Psalm 23 and I just couldn't get past it. I, I kept coming back to it. I, I, and it. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages of scripture that there is. Uh, you, you've you know, probably heard it read at a wedding or at a funeral, or maybe your grandmother had it cross-stitched on something hanging in her house. I mean, you, you probably have heard it numerous times. But I started recounting to her some of the stuff that I've been learning. And really, that's what I want to do with the remaining time that we have today, is I just want to share with you a few things that I feel like God has been teaching me about change, about seasons of change. Because I'm not the only one going through change. A lot of people are going through change right now. And maybe you're in a season where you're questioning what you're supposed to be doing, or maybe you're questioning, is this where you're supposed to live? Or maybe you're questioning the people that you're around. And that's a normal thing, and it's extra normal right now. So I just want to, I want us to read Psalm 23 together, because I just want to point out a few things. I've actually given this message a title. I've called it Keeping Your Soul Sane in Seasons of Change. Keeping Your Soul Sane in seasons of change. And I recognize that the word sane, the word sanity, typically refers to our mind, our thoughts. But I feel like in a season where there is a lot of change and it feels like you don't exactly know where you're standing, you don't exactly know if you're on the right track, it can feel unstable, it can feel like you're kind of turned around, it's sometimes difficult to make out the difference between our emotions and our thoughts. And our soul is so crucial to who we are. Uh, King David, who wrote Psalm 23, is going to talk about that in just a second. But your soul is so connected to your mind. And oftentimes our thoughts and our emotions, they just get all mixed up together. So I wanted to share a few things about keeping your soul sane 
in seasons of change. And I'd love to read just all together, not all together like out loud, but I'd love for you to read along with me in Psalm 23. If you, if you have a Bible with you, you could turn there. Or if you have a device, I'd really, I would love for everybody to read along. Um, if you have the Bible app, it's a great way to read. If some of you are new to our church, maybe today you're like, whoa, I was not told I was going to need school supplies. Um, you can just download it on any device. The Bible app is a great thing to have. They give great reading plans. But I'd love for you to just grab it and read along um, with me. I'll, I'll read it out loud and would love for you to read it with me. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that opening line, uh, that opening line has been rattling around in my head for a month now, that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. I, I like the way that David puts it, that he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd or the shepherd, but he's my shepherd. Now, why is he a shepherd? Well, he's using a metaphor for us to be able to understand God. And David is hearkening back to his season as a shepherd, which I'm sure so many of you are doing right now as well. Anyone in here ever been a shepherd? Not, none of us? This is what's hard is we don't exactly know. We don't, we don't know what it's like to be a shepherd, right? I mean, this is new to us. We're like, somebody's gonna have to tell me, you know, what does it mean to be a shepherd? A coach, I get, you know, a, a, a ruler, a leader. I can understand that. But a shepherd, why a shepherd? Well, what we know about shepherds is that they take care of their flock. That's what they do. They care for their flock. They make sure they're doing okay, make sure they're headed in the right direction. They do it intentionally. They do it strategically. They do it thoughtfully. They do it with great care. And I, I, I've learned that in seasons of change, one of the things that we have to do for ourselves over and over again is to reassure our own identity, to reassure who am I? Because that gets all out of, it gets out of whack and we start questioning that. And, and the best way to understand who we are is to understand who God is. And so this is a really important place to start, that God is like this really great shepherd. He's my shepherd, David says. And so if God's the shepherd, then who does that make us? Well, the sheep. Well, another question, what? What's the most common adjective that people use with sheep? Sheep are dumb. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly right. Someone said soft. That's an acceptable answer as well. <laughs> but dumb was what I was looking for. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's weird. I mean, that's, I, who am I to sit here and be like, you're dumb. You know, I try to get our kids to stop doing that with each other, you know, but this is what David's doing. David's going, look, God is like this really great shepherd, and we are like dumb sheep. I mean, he's not wrong, right? We do do dumb things. 
It's easier to see in other people, of course. You know, we're all like, well, I mean, other people do a lot of dumb stuff, but we're all prone to doing dumb stuff. We're prone to making rash decisions. We're prone to being impulsive. We're prone to just chasing after something that we think we want in a moment. We're all prone to doing that. And so we need a shepherd to guide us, to lead us, to help us. And David says, well, the good news is you can have a shepherd. I, I have a shepherd. He's my shepherd. And I want to invite you into making the Lord your shepherd as well. And then he says this, this little phrase that is not, it's a cause and effect. It's like, well, because he's the shepherd, I lack nothing. Or there's nothing I don't have. I don't have any needs. I'm taken care of because of the shepherd. This is part of what was haunting to me about this little phrase is I, over the past couple of months, I've been like, I, I lack a lot. There's a lot I lack. I have loads of lack, like tons of it. And maybe you feel that way as well. I mean, it's easy to see circumstantially the things that you lack. You know, maybe some of you are thinking, I, I wish I was married. Some of you are thinking, I wish I had a job or I wish I had a different job. Some of you are thinking, I wish I made more money. What's worse, though, is when you look internally and see the things that we lack. So much for me over the past couple months has been, I, I, I lack the confidence I lack the courage. I, I, I lack the, the belief, the faith to do the thing that I think I need to do because it feels, it feels scary, feels frightening. And maybe you feel that way as well. Here's the great news is that when you have the Lord as your shepherd, you actually don't lack anything. Everything you have is exactly what you need. And even the things that you don't have if you just invite him to give it to you, he will give it to you in the right timing. I don't mean he's going to make you a millionaire overnight. Maybe he will. But what I mean is, is that when you need the confidence, when you need the courage, when you need the faith, invite him to give it to you because he's the shepherd who has it all. And if he has it all and he's with me, then I lack nothing. So do you. And then he gives us he gives us four commands, these four verbs that he tells us that these are things that the shepherd does. Check, check this out. The first one is he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of you that love a Sunday nap, you know, that love rest, you're like, oh, that sounds fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm picturing like, you know, Julie Andrews and Sound of Music, like in one of those beautiful fields, you know, in Austria or something. But for me, this verse is so appropriate that he makes me lie down. I do not intention, I do not uh, on my own accord lie down, but once a day. I do not enjoy lying down. The way I unwind is by going and doing things. I like activity. I like progress. It's probably a lot of it is rooted in fear that if I'm not doing, 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 then it's not going to happen. And so the idea for me that God is this shepherd that is going to make me lie down in green pastures is not very attractive but I know how important it is because of the value of rest. Because of what happens when we lay things down, when we sit down and realize, you know what, God, the world's going to keep on moving. It's not dependent on me anyway. It's ultimately dependent on you. The next thing he does is he leads me beside quiet waters. These quiet waters represent those things that we know we need that we just can't find, that we're empty of. He replenishes us. He restores us. He fills us back up when we feel empty. 
He leads us by these quiet, safe waters where we can get refueled. And then I love this little phrase. He refreshes my soul. Do you know how important your soul is? People around you, they feel your soul. Boston says you're more than a feeling, which you are more than a feeling. But you're also a feeling. People feel you. People feel the state of your soul. People can recognize when your soul's not in a healthy place. And no one can care for your soul. It's a decision you have to make. And so following the shepherd who refreshes my soul, that's huge for me. To go, God, you care deeply about how my soul is doing. And if I follow you, if I'm led by you, if I allow you to shepherd me, to lead me, to guide me, you are going to refresh my soul. In seasons of change, I'm telling you, you gotta, you gotta keep your eyes fixed on the shepherd. Because he wants to help you care for your soul. And, and then the last little command or uh, verb, the, the action that he does. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. I think about like a GPS system, you know, where you put the address in and it tells you exactly, okay, take a right here, take a left here, go straight here. This is how you're going to get there. This is what he does. Now, this is very con oftentimes confusing in life because does he do this on a personal basis does he personally guide you to go take this job and go ask this person out and go apply for this school? I, I, I tend to have a more, a, a view of God's will that he gives us options, that he lets us choose. He's given us the responsibility, the freedom to be able to choose. That he's made some things clear. Hey, don't do this, don't do this. That's not good for you, it's not good for other people. But in general, I, I want you to choose. I want you to feel the responsibility of choosing. But he also guides. He guides through his spirit. That when you become a follower of Jesus that now lives inside of you. And this is mystical and hard to understand. But it's what he does. I don't know if you remember this part of Jesus' life. Maybe you've read this before. But, you know, people were, they, they, they were crazy about Jesus, obviously. And, and and then he dies on a cross and he's resurrected from the dead. And now they're even crazy. They're like, this is unbelievable. Like all the things he said he was going to do, we didn't really believe him. Despite the water turning to wine and feeding 5,000, all the, the, the miracles, we should have believed, but we didn't. But then now this is pretty amazing. He was dead. I mean, he was dead, dead. And now he's alive, alive. Like this is crazy. And so now they're all in and they're going like, we are ride or die with you. Like wherever you go, we are in. Like you are our guy. And then he's like, oh, forgot to tell you. I'm actually leaving, okay? So you're gonna be on your own, OYO. And, um, but, and they're going like, no, this is terrible. And he goes, no, 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 no. It's better for you that I go. What? Yeah, it's better. It's better for you that I go. What? How could that be? Well, because right now I'm just here. I'm right here in this one spot. But when I leave, God is going to send his spirit who is going to be in you and is going to help guide you. He's going to help lead you. And this is hard to understand how he does this, but he clearly does this. He has done it for me over the past couple of months through some friends that have been incredibly helpful, through my wife who's been incredibly helpful, through my bosses who've been so helpful. But he guides us. God uses his spirit in us and in others to help 
guide us for his namesake, for his glory, for his, so that people might see how good he is, not how great you are. It's what he does. And then verse four, you, you've probably heard this before. He, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some of you are like, is that, did David get this from Coolio, from Gangsta's Paradise, from da- Dangerous Minds? Is that where he got this? You know, you remember that? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. <laughs> well, no, Coolio, Coolio actually, oh gosh, you didn't have to do that. But that matters so much that you did. Um, <laughs> Coolio actually got this from David, okay? Not the other way around. So um, just to make that clear. Coolio, as he put it, he put it the King James Version that says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, here it's translated, even though I walk through the darkest valley. You know what a valley is? A valley is that place between two mountains, you know, these two huge mountains, and then in between you have this valley. Well, given the choice, where does everybody want to be? In the mountains or in the valley? Of course, everybody wants to be in the mountain. The mountain is awesome. You're on top of the world. You're feeling the crisp, cool air. The views are amazing. Down in the valley, you feel like God's left you. Being down in the valley reminds me of, uh, we're we're on the front end of the Olympics, and I'm watching all these people stand on those podiums and receive their medals. And and it's so interesting to me because you can see how they feel based on just looking at them. There's a couple people that are happy, and there's one person that's not. Who's the one person that's just not feeling it on the podium? It's the silver medalist. The bronze is like, I can't believe I made it. Like, this is amazing. I could have been fourth and I would have gotten nothing, but I slid in and I got third. I got that medal. What, what? You know, the gold is like living large, high on life. Like everything's like, I just got to give praise to God. I mean, he set this up and he is awesome and he is amazing. And the silver is just like, you have got to be kidding me. Like this close. I'm like half a second away. And I just get this silver medal, second place, that's for losers. I've been told that my whole life. Like, this is awful. Because we wanna be on the top. We wanna be on the mountain. Nobody wants to be down in the valley. But he says when you're in the valley, he says you have to walk through it. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. See, too too many times what, what I am prone to do is I'm prone to walk through the green pasture and lie down in the valley. That's not what he says to do. See, we get those flipped. He says, no, you lie down in the green pasture, soak it up, enjoy it, get some rest, let him fill you up. And then you walk through the valley. You don't lay down in the valley. You keep it moving through the valley. And some of you, maybe you're in a season right now where you feel like you're in a valley. You feel like you're looking up at the mountains being, it must be awesome up there. And I bet God is amazing up there. And the worship songs, I bet they slap up there. They're amazing. I'm down here in the valley where I feel alone. I feel hopeless. I can't see my way out. And it worse feels like God has left me here. It feels like God is distant right here. And David's saying, no, you just got to keep walking. Why? Well, because look at what he says next. He says, because I will fear no evil for you are with me. As hard as it feels in the valley, as much evil as it seems like there is in the valley, God is with us in the valley. God is not just with us on the mountaintop. He's with us in the valley. And when he's with us, we can do so much more. 
Do, do you remember? Um, do you remember that story of Jesus walking on the water? I mean, this is like one of the most famous. It's, I mean, it's amazing. The, the, the disciples are in this boat. And they start freaking out because they see what they think is a ghost just gliding along the top of the water, which I would be the same way. You know, you'd be like, is what, wait, what is that? Is that, that, that looks like a human walking on the water. And so they get like super scared. And do you remember what Jesus says to them? Jesus looks at them. He sees their fear and he says, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. He says, don't fear, I, I, I'm with you, it's I, I'm here with you. And so Peter says, which how amazing is this? He's like, well, if you're really with us, then call me out there and let me see if I can do it. And Jesus is like, well, then let's go, jump, let's do it. And so Peter does, and we criticize Peter over, oh, he took his eyes off Jesus and he you know, sank or whatever, like, way to go, Peter. Way to go for everybody else is stuck in the boat and your extraordinary faith, believing that if God is with me, there's not a lot I can't do, led you to get up out of the boat and walk on the water, even for just a few steps. That's amazing. And maybe that's what God wants for you. Maybe that's what God wants for me is to recognize that when he's with me, there's so much more that I can do. The, the problem is, is that we fixate our eyes on the shadow, you know that other translation that Coolio used, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, darkness or death, it, it leaves this, this shadow. And shadows oftentimes are bigger than what's actually there. Shadows can be misleading. They can be misguided. They can be hard to understand. And too often when we get in the valley, we get our eyes all over the shadow. We fix our eyes on the shadow going, oh no, there's a shadow. And David's going, when you're in the valley, don't lock your eyes on the shadow, lock your eyes on the shepherd. Keep your eyes on the shepherd, even though the shadow is looming and large and scary and hard to understand. You keep walking with your eyes on the shepherd, knowing that there is evil, but there's no evil that can get to you because Yahweh, Jehovah, the creator, is with us. Verse four, he says, your, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. This is how he does this in the valley. He uses his rod and his staff to comfort us. And I, I, I gotta be honest with you, I didn't know, you know, what, that, what does that represent? You know, so I tried to read as many things as possible to really try to understand. What does he mean by the rod? What does he mean by the staff? How did the shepherds use the rod? Well, the rod, the rod was what they used to beat off things that were trying to get in the way. So the rod, in a sense, represents the power of the shepherd, the staff, you know, the thing with the, the crooked end that they use to, to, to steer the sheep, to move the sheep this way. It represents the grace of God, that there are times when we get off course and God gently, lovingly, graciously steers us back onto course. He, he uses his power, he uses his grace to, to flex, to let us know, hey, we can trust you, that you really are a comforter. And then he does this really interesting move, some of you are like, did you just trip? I almost did, fell. Um, <laughs> verse five, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare this table, this bounty, this huge meal right there in front of my enemies. It's like he's taunting the enemies. Who are the enemies? The, the enemies, anyone who's trying to take life from you. Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full. The enemy maybe is shame or loneliness or stress or worry. Maybe it's inadequacy. Anything that's trying to steal life from you is an enemy. 
And the shepherd, the good shepherd, prepares this meal for you right there in the presence of, I'm showing off in front of the enemies going, this is mine. You do not have a claim on this one because this one is mine. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Evidently these sheep, because of their lack of intelligence, would stick their head in some bush that has a lot of thorns and they'd get all cut up. And, and a good shepherd, a loving shepherd, would take oil and would put oil on the sheep's head to, to heal the sheep, to comfort the sheep in their distress. And this is what the loving, good, all-powerful shepherd does for us. David says, my, my cup overflows. I have so much more than I could have ever thought. I have so much more than I ever would have guessed because I have the shepherd And then he gives us this beautiful little benediction, this promise at the end. He says, and so surely, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. I read someone who said, these these are like sheepdogs. You know sheepdogs? Sheepdogs are, they're they're the things that that, that run around, the animals that run around, the, the sheep just to herd them, keep them in. You know, anybody's getting out or anything's trying to get in. This is what they do. This author was saying that, these, that these, these ideas, these virtues of goodness and love, they're like these two sheepdogs that run around with this loud bark, this strong bite, making sure that they follow us all the days of our lives. Surely, he says, surely they will. Not hopefully, surely they will follow us. I just want to tell you that, that When your eyes are on the shepherd and you're following him, there's goodness that will follow. It's not easy. There's love, there's grace, there's mercy that will follow. It doesn't mean it'll always go well, but he says, surely these will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. I'll live in his house forever. This represents this communion that is possible between you and God. We've heard it today in the stories that you heard Not a religion, not a set of beliefs, but a personal relationship with the Almighty because of Jesus. This is what's possible. So what's ahead for our church? I I think the best days are ahead. I genuinely believe that. We, We look forward to being a part of this church, even in the future. For all we can tell, for everything we can see, that's our hope, that's our plan. We're excited about what's to come. We believe God's gonna send the right person, the right leader. Andy will tell you a little bit more about how that's gonna go and how that's gonna work. But I just wanna encourage you and maybe even challenge you that if your eyes are not on the shepherd, you you should try it, especially if you're in a season of change. Would you consider fixing your eyes, not on the shadow, but on the shepherd, the good shepherd? Make him your shepherd. He loves you, he's got you, he's for you, and he's with you. Whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley. Faith is, uh, faith is never easy, right? If it were easy, everybody would have faith, but faith, being able to say yes to something when you don't know what's on the other side, I, I have rarely done that. And maybe some of you are in a season where you're trying to figure that out. The only way I know to keep your soul saying in seasons of change is to keep your eyes on the shepherd. It's to let him lead you, let him guide you. 
because that's who he is. That's what he wants to do. So I'd love to pray for us. We're gonna sing this song and then Andy's gonna come up and just um, dismiss us. But while I pray, I would love to just invite you to pray as well and maybe invite him. Maybe invite him for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time to be your shepherd. Maybe spend a moment just fixing your eyes on him. Heavenly Father, um, we just reiterate those words that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for your namesake. And even though I walk through the valley, the valley of darkness, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table for us, this lavish meal in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil, our cup overflows, and surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives and that we can dwell in your house forever. Father, I pray that that would be true of us it would be true of us today, it would be true of us in a year, it would be true of us at the end of our lives, that people would say that about us. People would know that about our church. I pray that even when we can't see it or we can't feel it, that we would trust that you're working, that you would be the light in our darkness. In Jesus' name. Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.